Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Is it okay to have fun in church? Yeah. The answer is yes. All right. If you don't like to have fun in church, there's, we, you can go now. No, all right. Um, no, we just want to welcome in everybody who's here. If it's your first time, man, we're just excited that you came and, and are choosing to join us on Easter Sunday. This is usually the early service, but we had one earlier today. So uh, there's still coffee out in the entryway. Help yourself, man. Who's excited for Easter? Yeah? Awesome. Well, uh, man, I'm excited. We had, uh, as Matt was saying, we had some crazy Easter traditions growing up, but I didn't go to church till I was 17. Like, I think I entered like three because I thought, you know, lightning bolt was going to strike me down or something if I walked in. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't go, but I had these crazy Easter traditions too where we would color Easter eggs, but then as a kid, your first time ever opening up a, uh, an Easter egg, do you remember the first time you ever did that? And as a kid, and you find in the middle, what's in the middle if you hard boil them, Matt? Wait, if you hard boil them in the middle, you open it up, it's what? It's like a bouncy ball. And you t- I was like so excited as a kid, I took the little ball and I went, I'm like, I'm going to bounce the ball. Splat. Have you ever tried to bounce an egg yolk? Don't, stupid, just don't do it. Like I tried it. But then, then I went to church and, and I went to church a few times and they played all these songs and maybe these songs are new for you this morning, but I walked in and they were playing these new music and I had some of the people in the church were like, we just like hymns, and I'm like, I kind of like hers, but I'm just saying. And uh, anyway, um, I said, what is a hymn? I didn't even know. And so they told us all these songs. We're going to do kind of a, a modern bridge-style hymn at the end of service here today. And and one of the things on Easter that they said, and I've learned to say it, is is this. When I say uh, something, you would repeat it to me, and they would do this a lot in tr- more traditional-style churches. Like if I said, peace be with you, you would say back to me, See, you guys have all been part of church. I didn't even know that, you know? And then, so if I say to you, he is risen, you would say back to me, he is risen indeed. Now, for those of you that didn't know what to say just now, you and I are in the same boat together. I just want you to know that we are in good company. See me after church and we will spit shake and pinky swear and we got a good friendship started. All right. So I didn't, I didn't grow up in church and I said, what kind of church can we be like for those that don't do church? Because what we want to be as a church, we want to be life-giving, and we want to be a church that connects people with eternal life. Just as Matt prayed, we're all about Jesus. That's everything we do, and we are biblically based. Anyway, welcome to the bridge. Before I get started, I have two quick things to add to what Matt said. Um, one is this. Next week, we are going back to our normal service time, so it will be just 9.30 and 11. Uh, today, we're just doing an 8.15 service to make sure you guys have enough room this morning. And if if you could, just give me a huge thank you to those that helped put on our Good Friday service and our Easter egg hunt yesterday. What a phenomenal time. Thank you. And lastly, I also want to thank um, our hospitality director, um, him and his wife, Craig and Jill Peterson, this morning. I don't know about you, but did it smell like bacon and sausage when you walked into the church this morning from outside? I got here about 7, and I was like, what is that yummy smell? Well, he made it for all the people that had been here this morning working hard and putting this whole thing together um, for Easter Sunday. So if we can just give them a big thank you. Um, what I, we're doing is we're entering a new series here today on Easter Sunday, and then we're going to finish it up in the next few weeks. Uh, we just finished a, a series called Ridiculous, talking about generosity, which was phenomenal. And uh, today what I want to talk about is this new series 
called Energy. And this new series called Energy um, is basically about us and how Jesus is our energy. That's who he is. Um, am I supposed to announce? Okay, we have today, I know we have two giveaways. Are we giving that away in main service? I'm get- oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> All right, I think we're giving that away in K through fifth service, just making sure, because we're giving away a free stay at the water park in Rogers today, um, and the next service for those that were at the egg hunt yesterday. So, thanks. Give it up for that beautiful woman right there. Isn't she awesome? Even though she is about one third of me, she is my better two thirds. We'll just say. It. All right. So, you guys are like, please shut up. I'm going to throw up in my mouth. Um, hey, what what is, this is though? Is this series is called Energy? And I bet all of us could use more energy. And here's what I want to do. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you by round of applause, answer this question. Have you ever in your life gotten to a place where you have either these three things by round of applause, have either felt busy, burned out, or lacking energy? That's 90% of us, and 10% of us were on some kind of mental vacation just now, all right? So that's okay. Sometimes mental vacations are wonderful. Here's the deal. God's Word says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Now, I don't know about you. I'm kind of like, all the time. And so it's hard for me to just be still. can relate, can't you? We're in in good company here this morning. Yeah, it's hard for me just to to stop and be like, all right, I'm just going to stay still. All right, you know, like I go on prayer retreats or pastor retreats and you go to like these prayer cabins and, and I'm supposed to just shut up and listen to God for like 24 hours. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Can I go fishing, Lord? Like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, and, and so that's, it's not my gift, but God wants us to do that because he wants to speak to us. All right. Our lives get busy sometimes, right? If you agree with me, say yeah. All right. Okay. And sometimes too busy. If you agree with me, say yeah. All right, and it's almost like this pride thing. Have you ever, picture this. You go up to somebody, and you're like, dude, what are you doing Friday night? I'm, I'm busy. And you're like, oh man, well next Friday, I'm busy. And it becomes like this pride thing, like going back and forth. Dude, I'm busier than you. No, 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 I'm busier than you. Dude, my calendar's full. Look at my calendar. And we go back and, it's like fish stories. Okay? You, you ever been with two fishermen? You ever shared a fish story with me? What, what happens to us when we talk? Well, dude, when I was out, I caught a fish. And then you're like, yeah, bro, but last week I caught a fish this big. And then I keep going and I'm like, yeah, my big mouth Billy Bass, he is this big on my wall. And then you're like, and I caught, I was, I was deep sea fishing and I caught tuna and mackerel and they're this big. And then, and then I'm like, you know what? My fish is so big. I can't even span my arms with my fish. You know, like we just, we go back and forth and we're like, have these, how many have had those, you know? Or like, you have the story, you don't want anyone to ever top your story? That's what it's like when we're busy. We're just, we just get so busy, we're like, no, I'm busier than you. What happens if we stay too busy, too often, too long? What happens? What happens? Well, I can just about imagine that everyone in this place has found themselves there before. Let me, let me share from a first grader's perspective, okay? A first grader wondered why her father brought home a briefcase full of work every evening. And her mom explained to the daughter, just said, Daddy has so much work to do that he can't finish it all at the office. Well, then, asked, you know, the little girl, very innocently, she said, well, why, why don't they put Dad in a slower group at work? You know, like, <laughs> very innocently. All right, okay, it's a little truth there, I think. And so one of the things that I like to do is I like to camp a lot. 
How, who, what camp, do, any campers here? Anybody excited? Spring, summer? I love camping and, uh, and fishing. How many have one of these, one of these kind of lanterns? You ever seen these before? Um, some of us have them as decorations. Now, they actually, this one still works, believe it or not. What you do is you open it up right here, you pour kerosene, pump it up, okay? Or not, you don't pump this one, you pull it up, and uh, it's got the wick here. And you can see the wick where part of it's been burnt. Um, and what happens is this, when you put the kerosene in here and you light the wick on fire, this is what takes place. It's kind of like us saying, we're the lantern, or we're the wick, and Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, fills us with his kerosene. In other words, if we are constantly filled with the Spirit of God, that wick, it will look like it's burning, but it will never burn up. Okay? The wick will constantly look like it's burning, but it will never burn up because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that God calls us as Christians to walk in. What happens when the kerosene runs out? Do you know that the wick will keep burning and the wick will actually burn to the part? Have you ever touched one of these wicks before? If you touch it and flick it, it becomes ash and it just falls apart because it's burnt up. God doesn't want us. So just just imagine you're that wick, and we're probably all at a place in life where we feel like, I'm burned out, man. I'm just burned out. And we get to that place where God's saying, I need to refill you. I need to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you don't get to a place where you're burned up. You might say, like, Pastor, that's great. What does this have to do with Easter? We're going to unpack that this morning. Because it is Easter, and He is risen. Nice job, man. Nice job. Way to go. You, you, right on cue. I didn't have to say anything. That was awesome. All right. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18 if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. It'll get you caught up. If you have version app, you can, you can follow along there. Um, there's a man, and his name was Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. Elijah. All right. I know we, we even have a few people named Elijah within our church here. And so Elijah was one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest prophet, to ever have lived prior to the time of Jesus, prior to the time of John the Baptist. And Elijah, he found himself as one of the last prophets in Israel. And at this time, Israel was taken over by an evil king named Ahab. Everybody say Ahab. And Ahab was married to this crazy chick named Jezebel. Everybody say Jezebel. And look to your neighbor and say, don't ever name your kid Jezebel. All right, no, I'm just going to say that. All right, if anybody here is named Jezebel, we love you and you're welcome here. And so, all right, Ahab and Jezebel, they're married. King is, is evil. He's doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, he basically turned away from the true God and he started following these other gods. Don't worry about the names, but they're known as the Baals, B-A-A-L, and Asherah. Okay, and they serve these false gods. And basically, Elijah, his heart was for the Lord. And he's like, I want the people of Israel to turn back to God. And, and they wouldn't do it. And so finally, you have these prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And then you have the prophet of the true living God. They come to this place, and Elijah has an idea for a little contest. Anybody here a little competitive? All right? All right. Elijah the prophet, man, he's like super competitive. And so he says, I have an idea. Let's find out. Let's invite the true God to stand up. If you're the true God, stand up. And so he says to the prophets of Baal and Asherah, you go and build an altar, and that what you're going to do is you're going to call down fire on your altar that they built from their gods, and if your God burns the altar up, then we'll praise your God because your God is the true God. But he says, in the same way, he goes over and says, I'm going to build an altar to my God, the true God of Israel, Jehovah or Yahweh. And he says, I'm going to build it, and I'm going to call down fire on my altar and see if the true God would burn that up. And they're like, deal? And so what they, they shuck and pinky swore and all that, okay? And they said, let's do it. And so the prophets of Baal, they come together and they get ready to call down fire, call down from their God to come and burn up 
their sacrifice on their altar for their God. And so they're like, God of Baal, God of Asherah, they're calling them down in their own native tongue. They're asking their God to come and do this, and nothing's happening. Duh! Okay? And so they're calling down. Nothing's taking place. And and I love Elijah, okay? I, I love men like this, guys. If you're confident, but you have just like a hint of arrogance, I, I like that. Elijah was cocky, man. Elijah goes over to them. They're doing this all day. God of Baal, God of Asher, nothing's happening. And so Elijah, he's not like, I'm so sorry. He wasn't kind or gentle about it. He was like, in your face. He goes over. And these guys, by the way, they're getting so mad, they would actually cut themselves and they would slit their wrists and they would bleed because they're like, why is our God not answering us? Well, because your God doesn't exist, you morons. That's kind of what Elijah's thinking. That's not in the Bible. And so Elijah comes over and he's talking to them. And he's like, well, maybe your God's asleep. You know, maybe he's taking a little naparoo. You know, like he's just out cold for the count. Maybe you need to scream a little louder and wake him up. And he's like in their face. And they're like, oh, this, this ain't working. So Elijah's like, my turn, buddies. My turn. So he goes over to his altar. He's got his altar made for the true God of Israel. And I, just, I would have loved to have been here. Anybody got a DeLorean? Anyway, and so he's got this and he's got it set up. And not only is he confident that the true God is real and will come through, but he's got a little bit of cockiness about him. And so what he does is this. He asks the Baals and their servant, the Baal, the prophets of Baal, to come over and to actually dig a moat or a little trench around. Because he says, I don't want anybody to think I'm messing around or fooling around. So they dig a trench all the way around this offering to God. And then he gets even more cocky. I love it. He goes, now I want you to come and I want you to douse it with water. Just get it totally soaked. And they're like, you got a lot of faith, man. So they go and they soak it completely, get it drenched. And he looks at him again. He says, we're not finished yet. He says, do it again. They come, they do it twice. And he looks back at him. He says, no, no, no. One more time. I want you to do it a third time. And so they come, the prophets of Baal, they dump it with water. It says in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 18 that there was actually so much water that it completely filled up the moat all the way around the offering. Part of the story of the miracle, Elijah calls down from Yahweh instantly. Yahweh comes down. He consumes the fire, or he consumes it with fire. The altar is burnt up to him. All the water is evaporated. It's gone. It takes, some scholars even believe it takes the other altar. It burns that, brings it up to God himself. And other prophets, they start killing each other, going after each other. And finally, King Ahab is just ticked. And him and Jezebel said, we need to go after Elijah and kill him. And so what we find is God does this incredible miracle. He shows up. He shows that he's the true God. Just as it is Easter today where I believe Jesus is going to show you that he's real. Shows up. And Elijah, what he does next is just crazy. I would have thought he would have just stopped and he would have praised God. But all of a sudden he realized his life's in danger. Jezebel, their prophets, they're coming. They're going to chase him down because they want to kill him. In fact, we pick up the story here in 1 Kings chapter 19, the next chapter, verse 3, 4, and 5. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says this. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Stop. Think about this. One of the greatest prophets that ever lived just saw this incredible miracle. Why in the world is he afraid for his life and running? Doesn't he believe in the true power of God? Yet he's running away. He's running away. So here's the guy who's a little cocky, and now he's, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Keep going. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Verse 4, well, he himself went on a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, kind of like a weeping willow, big tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. It's a bad day, okay? That's a bad, like, it just went from really, really good to, 
I hate my life. Like, just, some of you are like, been there, done that, bought the book, have the t-shirt, okay? And then he says, I've had enough, Lord. I have had enough. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Last verse. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. One thing you have to know in Hebrew, when it says fall asleep, some of you know this, it actually means death. Okay, it did, Not that he physically died, but it was an act of him actually dying. In other words, God, I'm going to prophetically, because he was a prophet, lay down and say that I'm dead. I'm done. That's where he was at. Don't raise your hand. Don't say anything. But how many of us have been there before? We're like, God, things have been going great. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I don't know where you're at in my life. Think about this. He just finished completing God's will. He was doing everything God asked of him. He was being obedient. He was following the scriptures. He was giving up his resources. He was doing everything right. And then all hell broke loose in his life. He's thinking, I want to be done. I want my life to end. I'm, I'm done with it. You see, even Elijah was too busy. He was overwhelmed constantly. He was just crazy, his life, over and over, that he was burnt out. Okay? He got to the place where the wick was burning, not the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It got to that place. It can happen to the best of even the prophets. See, burnout can happen to anyone, anytime, at any given moment. Just as it seems to happen to one of the strongest prophets in the entire Bible. Burnout happens to those of you, and many of the people within this church are givers. It happens to those that give and give and give without taking care of themselves. Because you're just constantly giving and giving it away. Burnout happens to those that are giving actually so much that they lose sight of actually taking time to renew themselves. Can I just say this? Jesus wants you to be renewed today. That's the good news. He wants you to be renewed today. Today is your day, all right? Um, failure to adequately deal with burnout, it can lead to some pretty nasty stuff. It can lead to depression, despair, complete irrational anger, and even physical problems, all right? The, the best way that I have heard burnout defined is this, and put it up on the screen. It's feeling hopeless, yet still having hope, but just lacking the energy to pursue it. That's burnout. Elijah was there. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you are there. If you're not, I guarantee you know someone in your life that is there. Life starts happening so quick, so quick, because we get so busy that all of a sudden, all of a sudden the time that we would take to recover in life is gone. We don't have time to recover from life's episodes over and over. And chances are, depending on how busy you have been or you are, you don't even know you're burned out. You're sitting here for the first time going, I think I'm being burnt up right now. I think, and you're like, the pastor's speaking directly to me right now. It's not me, it's God. He's speaking to you. I believe that this morning. So let's figure out if you are burnt out. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're sitting and going, I don't know. I don't know if I am. Or maybe you're going, I'm not burnt out. There are people within your life again that are, that I believe God has put them in your life for a specific reason. To get them renewed with Jesus. To get them living life again. So I want to look at this. I get this from uh, people named John and Paula Sanford. Um, they're incredible. They do a ministry called Elijah House, and they have what's called three stages of burnout that are just phenomenal. I just want to share them here briefly. Stage one is this. So stage one is the, the lightest one. There's stage two and then stage three. Stage one, you might feel overtired all the time, or sleep might not feel refreshing like it once used to. Some of you are like, you are preaching to me right now. All right? Constant headaches, vague fear or anxiety, Maybe if you had a relationship with God, you're questioning that relationship. Or getting an occasional adrenaline rush to complete tasks, but then feeling tired afterwards. 
Kind of like taking a Red Bull. You know, after a few hours, it wears off, and you're like, oh. You know what I mean? Okay? I'm a kickstart guy. Come on. All right? The things you used to find fun and you no longer do. You ever been there before? I love to fish. Uh, if you don't know me, fishing is my thing. I love to fish. I don't care if it's a pond. I don't care if it's an aquarium in your house. I love to fish. Okay? And so I, I just love it. And so for me, it is therapy. It's the greatest drug on earth is fishing to me. And so I would take, I, I have a, a little 14-foot aluminum boat that I use, and I would go out in this boat, and I'll just fish. And I remember this day, a few years back, feeling burnt out. And I went, and I grabbed my boat, and I was like, I want to go. I want to go do, you know, go fishing. It's just been a tough day, a tough week. And I was like, you know what? I got to fill it up with gas. I got to put the boat on the trailer. Then I got to tie it down. Then I got to go, and I don't have two-cycle oil in my cabinet right now. I got to go find two-cycle oil. Then I got to mix it 50 to 1 and figure out how to do that. And then I got to hook it up to the hitch. I don't even know where the hitch is at. Do I have the hookup right on, on, you know, for the trailer? And by the time I like convinced myself, man, it sounds like a lot of work to go fishing, you know? And I just didn't go. I was in stage one. Some of you are there. Stage two is this. Stage two is your adrenaline or your adrenal glands are not producing like they used to. Sleep becomes a labor. That's really bad, man. All right. Increased tension of everyday life circumstances, constant fear, or your confidence is eroding, withdraw from God and people and life. Your prayer life is eroding. You have this impulse to start weeping over even the littlest things. Periods of despair, a decline in creativity. Your intimate life even suffers. Here's stage three. Stage three is this. It's both the first stages combined. And then stress becomes kind of an addiction. Like you just get so used to it that being burnt out becomes like normal to you where it's this addiction. You just think this is it all the time. This is what I have to live with. This is this. There's no way out. I'm busier than you. I'm busier than you. Constant aches, constant pains, constant illness or feeling off, daily headaches or nausea, even serious digestive or heart issues. You can't fall asleep. You're sick at the thought of even waking up. You feel like God's betrayed you in some way. You're completely defenseless at the blows and pressures of daily life. You've got explosive anger and hatred, uncontrollable paranoia, constant withdrawal. Your morality is diminished and a complete loss of confidence in who you are. I was there one time. One time, I shared this story with the youth Wednesday night. I, I lost complete confidence in who I was. I used to do door-to-door sales. Anybody here ever do door-to-door sales? Awesome. A few of us have done the demonic job. All right, and so uh, that was a joke, by the way. It's not demonic. It's worse than that. And uh, no, the, uh, we would go door-to-door, and I would sell coupon books. And I, I, that's how I paid two years from my college. And so I remember going out, and usually people were very nice, you know, and, and sometimes you would just find some strange characters going door to door. And I remember we went to Edina. There's a lot of strange characters in Edina, okay? And Edina back then to me, that was a curse word. And this is why. And so we went to Edina. And first of all, just think about it from a logical perspective. You're trying to sell coupon books in Edina. Just think for a minute. And so we're going door to door. And I get up to this guy's house. And I knock on his door. Boom, boom, boom. He opens up the door and I'm like, hi, I'm Chris. I'm with this, I don't remember what the pizza place was. I'm with this, with this pizza place. And, and you know, we learned how to handle objections and all that. You remember how to do that? Handle objections. And, and the guy gives me an objection and he says this, no joke. He says, my pizzas are flowing in from California. Well, that's new. <laughs> they didn't teach me that one, <laughs> you know? We just learned how to agree, isolate, handle, reclose. And I'm like, ah. Uh, that really like you like I was just astonished like either that's the greatest objection I've ever heard anyone come up with or 
you, you're way too in a different world than I'm in. And he's like, no, they're coming in on Friday. I don't need a coupon book. And I'm like, okay. Like, I was just, <laughs> and, and I was not very respectful at all. I was kind of ticked at him. So rather than be respectful, walk out to the road to the next house, I like wiped my feet on his lawn as I ran to his neighbor's home. You know, I like got over there. And uh, I get to I get to his neighbor's house, and I walk up, and I knock on the door. Second house in a row. And, and I, it was just one of these nights, and I knock on the door, and, Hi, I'm Chris, I'm with this pizza place down the road. And this lady answers the door, and I tell her about pizza and all that. And th- no joke, this is what she says. She's like, I'm allergic to cooked tomatoes. And I'm like, okay, if you say I'm allergic to tomatoes, I get it. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. I said, can you eat, like, any tomato? No, just cooked, I'm allergic to and I'm thinking, really? Like, really? I said, can you eat canned tomatoes? Yes. Can you eat raw tomatoes? Yes. But you can't eat them cooked. No. And I'm like, I'll see you. God bless. You know, and so I, I run to the next house. And by this time, I'm like, I hate my life. Like, just put me underneath the broom tree like Elijah. And I go to this next house, three in a row. I'll never forget. I think, I think I even know where this block is at, and I've avoided it since. And so I get to this last house. My confidence, gone. Stage three, man. Done. I get up, no joke, this is what I say. He opens the door. It's a really nice guy, okay? Like, just really cool guy. And I'm like, no joke. I go, I'm, I'm Chris, I'm with this pizza place down the road. I'm selling books. You probably don't want one though, do you? <laughs> that's what I, that's a great sales approach. Try it sometime. He, I think he actually bought a book from me, for some, but I wouldn't try that every time. Have you been there though? Have you ever gotten to that place where you're just like, you just, it's like the Eeyore syndrome, you know? Like, oh, it's just awful. So what stage are you? Stage one, stage two, stage three? Or who do you know that's there and needs help? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody you're going to have ham dinner with this afternoon. Burnout can be bad and really tough to deal with because you end up feeling trapped. Okay? So how do we help people who feel burnt out? Here you go. First, hate to break it to you. There's no quick fix. There's no quick fix. It's learning different behaviors. Okay? To get out of it. Um, people dealing with burnout, here's what to do. You're, I'm giving you permission to go and kidnap somebody. Did the pastor really say I could kidnap somebody? Yes. Kidnap them and take them somewhere fun. Especially this. Somebody that's burnt out feels like they're a good person. They're giving all the time. Take them. Go see a movie where, like, the good guy gets beat up and hangs in there till the end, okay? Kidnap them. Take them fishing. Say, hey, it might sound like a lot of work for you to hook up your boat right now. Let me come and hook it up for you, and I'll take you fishing. Okay? Kidnap them for fun, because right now they can't even see that. Kidnap them. They need a friend to fight for them. They need you to pray for them, because they can no longer pray. They need rest and replenishment. Share with them that you love them, because they're too hurt to even see right now that God does. Give them a break about their duties and about time management. You need to love them also without commanding a response back. And then believe in them. Believe in them. Maybe you're like, uh... That's all great for other people, but it's me who's burnt out. Well, here's a personal survival kit for you if you are burnt out. Know what you know. Know what you know and what you believe about Christ, about what the Bible says about who you are, even when you can't explain it or live it out. Know it. Find a safe place to share. It's your spouse. If you don't have one, a good friend, a pastor, somebody on staff here at the church. Feed your spirit in a way that doesn't require a lot of energy. When you can't praise God, be honest about it. Don't assume that the cause of your pain is a character flaw. And it's okay. Sometimes those that are good good deed givers and we're always doing good, sometimes it's easy for us to, to not get mad. And it's okay. Get mad every now and then. Get a little angry like Elijah did. And then the last one is this. Learn to say no. Everybody try this with me. Everybody say no. 
Was that easy? Good job. All right. Sometimes it's really hard. No, it wasn't. Nice. Somebody said no. All right. No, it's not easy to say. It's even hard for me to say because we're always in need of people at the church and ministry. But be okay saying no. It's not a character flaw and don't feel guilty about it. Let's go back to Elijah. And I want to finish with this as our team comes up this morning. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. He's talking to Elijah after Elijah said, take my life, I'm done. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after a fire came the gentle whisper. That's where the Lord was, in the gentle whisper. See, God's always speaking. We're just not always listening. He's always speaking to us because we're going so fast. That's hard for us to take that time and just rest and listen to him. One similarity is this, okay? Between Jesus and Elijah, they both came to save their people. Elijah, like Enoch in the book of Genesis, never died, okay? Now, we're, we will all go through death. Jesus even went through death on our behalf. He died, and on the third day, he rose again to conquer death, so he takes that sting out of death for us. In fact, John 10, verse 10, it's one of my favorite verses. Isaac, you can put that up. The last part of it says that he came to give us life, and he came to give us life to the fullest. Let me show you this one last time here this morning. Go back to this lantern with me for a moment. Think of Elijah's story and your story. Where are you at? You stage one, stage two, stage three of burnout. Do you know somebody who is? Do you need life and life to the fullest? See, here's what Jesus did. He came to give his life for ours. That's what Easter's all about. Most of us know that. If you don't, today is your day to commit to him and believe on him. And when you do that, you can be confident that you have eternal life. It's that simple. I love simple. Most of us, though, are like this wick. And maybe it's been burning a little too long without the kerosene in there. Or if you flick it, it just turns to ash and it breaks down, it breaks apart. Maybe you need to be refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit today. You need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. You need to say, God, renew me. I need help to walk through day by day. And I'll give that to you. Let, it, let Him burn in you so you don't burn out. You stand to your feet this morning. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.